All right, go ahead and grab your Bibles, open up to the little book of 2 Peter chapter 3. Uh, for any visitors here, we've been doing a series of uh, sermons this summer called Sermons by Request. I know we have some visitors here, but our own youth group is gone, but you see a youth group sitting in the middle. When I was at the district conference back in April, I mentioned about our new property with Halawasa, and man, we have lots of work to be done to clean that place up and get it ready. Anybody wanting to do a missions trip and come out and work can do it? And this group responded from Cannon City, yeah. So they're out there camping and... Well, they said they're going to work sometime. I haven't started yet, but So 2 Peter, you're finding that. While you're finding that, I'll mention uh, there's a verse in Deuteronomy chapter 29 that says, The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed to us and to our sons forever that we may observe the words of this law. And basically, uh, that verse means we won't and can't know everything God does. Right? Pretty obvious. Uh, And beyond that, that what we do know from God, we know because He has chosen to reveal it to us. Now, there are some things you can know about God uh, apart from the revelation of the Bible. uh, You know, you look around this world, you see God's amazing creation, uh, the the, the orderliness of it, the the intricate functioning of it, and you, you have to understand there is a designer behind that. We know there is God, but, but even knowing that, um, it doesn't tell you very much about God. Uh, Romans 1.20 puts it this way, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made so that they are without excuse. There's some few basic things about God you can understand by looking at creation, but there's no way you would ever know that this same God is a God of love, God of mercy, God of justice, God of grace, unless he had chosen to reveal those things to us. And so everything we know really uh, about the nature of God and his, his plans is because he's chosen to reveal them to us. And most of what he has revealed to us in Scripture is pretty straightforward and easy to understand, but not everything. Some things are not clearly revealed. And that brings us to our verses in Second Peter chapter 3 where... He writes this, And regard the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given him, wrote to you, as also in all his letters, speaking in them of these things, salvation he's talking about there, in which are some things hard to understand, which the untaught and unstable distort as they do also the rest of scriptures to their own destruction. Father God, we thank you for the opportunity to worship this morning through song, through Um, sharing in communion through prayer together through fellowship with one another but God we pray as we come to your word now as we worship by studying what you have revealed we pray that you would um, encourage us um, challenge us but mostly God we just pray you'll meet us right at our point of need thank you God for the great and awesome God you are we pray this in Jesus name amen so I want to start a little bit different this morning. Uh, I'm going to start with uh, a, a basic illusion illustration to get us going, and I need two volunteers for this. And the two volunteers, I'm not going to embarrass them or anything, but you do need to be able to read 
and, and then project what you say if you're going to volunteer for me. And I did this in the early service. Nobody volunteers, so I voluntold some people. So you get your chance here. If any volunteers, I just need two. Okay, there's Anne. There's one. Somebody else got to go. All right, Lori's coming up. Lori, I can come right over here, and you can hold this bowl. And Anne, all you got to do is hold this envelope and, and just kind of be over here and be fabulous for a bit. Uh, yeah. All right, so in this bowl, Miriam uh, made a bunch of names of people that go to our church for us. Uh, you can grab a few out and just read them so that people know. 104, she said she told me she did 104. Just a few and read them out real quick to people here. Trish, Jeremiah, Beth, Barb, Carol. And a bunch of other names you can see in there. You can throw them back in there. Okay, so what you're going to do, I got my nice bag on the end of a stick that we're going to use here, and she is going to dump all of those names into this bag. There are, like I said, 104 names from people in our church plus one other name because there's one other person that has said he'll always be here where two or three are gathered together, which is? Okay, thanks. You got it. So you, you can see the, the name in there. You, I don't know. Can you guys see him in there? Are you, you're over here being fabulous? Yeah. I'm okay. Okay. So now, here's, here's what you're going to do. You are going to pick any name out of this bag you want. You can put your hand in, you can swirl around, you can mix them up. Just one name is all you're going to pick. But I don't want you to look at it. I want you to just hide it in your hand until uh, I tell you, okay? So stir them up, got it around. Are you sure that's what you want? Yeah. You don't want to change? No. You're set. Okay. So now with that, now's your turn. I got it. What's it say on the outside of the envelope? A declaration. I've got a declaration to make. And this is the declaration. Wait up. You can, you can do it. You will choose Jesus. All right. You had your choice of 104 names. You mixed them up. You stirred them around. You did your own choosing, right? So will you read to us what name you chose? Oh. Okay. You can put that. <laughs> All right. Am I am I going? All right. Whoa, okay. So anyway, simple illustration, but it, it has a question. I just have a, a question. Who chose? Who chose his home? Did Lori choose the name? Or as the declaration said, did I choose? Who, who, who got to choose? Now all illustrations break down at some point, but that reminds us of a question that has confounded and perplexed and unfortunately divided Christians for centuries. Who chooses whom? I mean, do we choose God and therefore we experience salvation? Or does God choose us and therefore we get to have salvation? That's 
the essence of the request that was turned into me uh, for these sermons on request. Uh, uh, this person uh, simply wrote four different texts of scripture on here, and they, they said these verses as they relate to people choosing to believe. And then they had choosing in, in quotation marks, which led me to believe that was the emphasis that they wanted to, to focus on. And one of the things, you know, that, that I've always enjoyed in, in our church is the opportunity we have to hear different people's uh, testimony uh, as they share them. And if you're not familiar with the idea of a testimony, it's when people share about what God's done in their life, particularly sharing the story of how maybe they came to Jesus Christ. And, and I like hearing that because there's so many different stories of ways people have come to Christ, and yet almost all of them contain at least one phrase that is pretty similar, pretty uh, uh, consistent throughout, and they'll say, you know what, this and that happened, and at a certain point in time, I found Christ, or I came to Christ. And the idea is that they are the one who is choosing. And when it comes to answering that question of who chooses whom, we invariably seem to approach it from the, the human point of view, right? I chose Christ. I received God's forgiveness. And, and it's like, uh, as God said, speaking through the prophet Jeremiah, you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart, when you, when you do that, many of us here this morning could say, yeah, I, I can tell you when I found God. I went to my very first uh, church camp when I was seven years old and uh, went out in the hills. It was a, it was a great time. Uh, my mom will never forget it. And, and uh, she took me out to the camp, and she packed my little suitcase for me, and, you know, seven years old. So she, she packed a clean pair of socks, underwear, shorts, and T-shirt for every day of the camp. And then she put them in piles. This is day one, day two. You know, just take out a whole pile. I got everything I need and dropped me off at the camp and, uh, and then uh, returned at the end of the week uh, to find uh, a boy uh, who was a filthy mess, uh, covered with dirt and grime, wearing the exact same clothes that she dropped me off in. I had never opened my suitcase. So she was, she was quite embarrassed, you know, wondering what all the other mothers must think of her. But uh, anyway, while I was at this camp, the, you know, the speaker uh, was given the salvation message. They talked uh, and shared the story of it. Uh, he, he first shared how uh, each and every one of us is a sinner, and I, and I believed I was a sinner. That didn't take much belief. I, I knew that uh, pretty easily. But then he went on and talked about the, the, the grace of God to bring us salvation, that Jesus Christ paid the penalty for our sins, shed his blood on the cross so that we could be forgiven, and that if we receive him, our sins will be washed away, and we'll receive eternal life and spend uh, eternity in heaven with him. And, and I wanted to do that, so I asked Jesus to come into my heart. I chose Christ. And I'm guessing that, that most of you here this morning can identify with something like that in, in your own life. One of the questions I frequently hear one Christian ask another is, well, 
when did you find God? And see, the emphasis is on us and what we did. I sought God. I found Christ. I asked Jesus to forgive my sins, and he came into my heart. And again, that happens as the Bible says, right? I think most anybody who's hung around church for any length of time has probably been familiar with or heard John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever... There you go. A couple of you know the verse. That whosoever believes, whoever believes on him should not perish but have eternal life. Or you could go to Romans 10, 13, right? For whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And, and that's me, right? And I pray and hope that's you. That I, I'm one of the whoever's. I, I, I have called upon God. I have believed. And so if we were to look for that answer uh, to the question, who chooses whom, based simply upon our experience and how we view our own experience, we would have to answer that we are the ones who choose God. Yeah, God makes the offer, but we are the ones who have to choose to accept. We have to receive that divine gift of forgiveness and new life. If I didn't choose to accept Christ, I would not be a Christian. It's as simple as that. And that's why we have so many commands in scriptures for the sinner to repent and then to respond to the free gift of God's salvation. I mean, along with those verses I already shared, I, I could take you to others like Joshua 24, 15. It says, if it is disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves today whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will choose the Lord, right? Or Matthew 14, 17. From that time on, Jesus began to preach and say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Or Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Or John 7, 37. If any man is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. All of those verses emphasize what you need to do. You need to come. You need to accept. You need to receive. And if that was all there was to this question, right? Just our own personal experience and, and those verses, then this would be a pretty simple, cut and dried sermon and, and we'd be all done. It'd be fairly short because you'd be able to go home now because we'd be finished. But that's not all there is to it. There's other scripture that indicates that God is the one who chooses us. For instance, the four scriptures that were written on this request. Speaking of God, Ephesians 1 says, Just as he, just as God chose us in Christ, in him, before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us to adoption as sons through, Je through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of whose will? His will. Or we read in Romans 8, 
For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Or there are the words of Jesus himself in John chapter 6. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him and I will raise him up on the last day. And I could add many other verses to that list, right? The Apostle Paul addressed his letter to the Thessalonians, and he said this, Knowing, brethren, beloved by God, his choice of you. When the Apostle Peter wrote his letter to a bunch of Christians living all over, dispersed amongst Asia Minor, he said this, To those who reside as aliens scattered throughout Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, who are chosen. In all of these verses and, and many others seem to make it pretty obvious that God is the one who does the choosing. I mean, that Ephesians verse tells us that God chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Before God created anything, before you were born, before you had a chance to do anything, good, bad, or ugly, God chose you. That's a pretty incredible thought, isn't it? God picked me. God chose you. You know, psychologists tell us that one of the deepest human emotional needs is that sense of belonging, to that sense that someone wants you, that, that you have been accepted, picked, chosen. I mean, have you ever wondered why it is that, that a, a, a kid will hang around with, a, with a, a group of friends that he knows or she knows is, is destructive and, and, and leading them down a wrong path? Why would they do that? Because that group of friends accepts them, chose them, picks them. Research tells us that one of the main reasons a young girl will become sexually active, even though she really doesn't want to in his heart, in, in her heart, is because it makes her feel like someone wants her. We we all want to be wanted, to be picked, to, to be valued. A lot of you probably remember PE class, at least PE class in the old days, okay? I, they, I don't know if they, they still do this. I don't think they do this too much because they, they've learned the trauma that it can bring to kids, so, so they've changed this. But, but in the old days, right, the gym teacher would often line you up in a line, pick two kids out, and then let them start picking teams to divide uh, things into, into teams. And, and I remember standing in that line and desperately wanting to be picked, right? To, to be picked meant they wanted you. It made you feel good about who you are and, and yourself. I mean, I, I can still to this day remember the hurt and disappointment my first day of PE class in junior high. Okay, seventh grade uh, back then, and we, we were playing dodgeball the very first day. Two kids were picked to be the team captains, and we're all standing there in a long line, and I got 
selected absolutely last. Even all the girls got picked before me, which, which for a seventh grade boy is, you know, pretty devastating. In fact, the reality is I didn't even get picked. I mean, we came down to where I was the last one there just standing there, and the guy whose turn it was knew he was stuck with me, so he didn't even pick me. He just turned around and walked to his end of the gym with the rest of this team, you know, and so I just kind of wandered around, picked, picked in there, because what else was I going to do? We all want to be picked. Being chosen means we have value, that we have worth, at least in somebody's eyes, right? So as Christians, we don't have to seek our sense of worth or belonging or value from other people. We have worth because the sovereign God of the universe, the creator, the king of kings, has chosen you. You are picked. And we belong to a very special group. We are children of God, joint heirs with Christ. We are part of an eternal kingdom. We belong to a select group that will rule with Christ forever and ever. And we're on the winning team. So, like, how cool is that? You've been picked and chosen. So now, let's go back to our original question. Do we choose God, or does God choose us? I mean, what's, what's the right answer? Who chooses whom? And this is the part that really bugs people. The right answer is both. The right answer is both. And that brings us back to that verse that I mentioned at the beginning of the sermon when I reminded you, man, there are some things that are mysteries within the mind and plan of God, things that we will not understand. There are spiritual truths that our limited, finite minds cannot fully comprehend and grasp, and this is one of them, although it bugs men enough that they try. And everyone who has tried and tried really hard and created some system of theology for understanding has to fall on one side or the other. And so if they, if they emphasize God's um, sovereign election, which is another term for God choosing you, they can do that, but then they have to explain away all those verses that say whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved as to not really meaning that. But if other people come down and say, well, it's, all, all, it's up to man and, and it's just whoever chooses, they can do it, then, then somehow they have to explain away those verses that say God has chosen you from eternity past. In our imperfect and incomplete and inadequate human perspective, these things seem like opposite and irreconcilable truths. We can't grasp them or understand how they could both work together. But you know what? That need not bother us. God helps us out when we're facing uh, conundrums like this, when he reminds us through the prophet Isaiah, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And 
my thoughts than your thought. God is bigger than we are. And I don't know about you, but I'm okay with that. I want a God who is bigger than me or bigger than my own limited understanding. I need a God who is bigger than that. So how do we answer that question? Who chooses whom? We answer it by saying both. Well, how does that work out? I don't know. I'm not God. Okay? But God's got it all figured out. Our position is that we affirm both the sovereignty of God's grace to choose us for salvation and at the same time, the responsibility of man to choose God. Both concepts are clearly taught in Scripture. You cannot become a Christian unless God chooses you. Jesus said that, right, in John 6, 44. No one comes to me unless the Father sent me, draws him. Now raise him up on the last day. That's a, that's a dogmatic, emphatic statement, isn't it? No one comes to Jesus and then God chooses him. And yet, at the very same time, you cannot become a Christian unless you choose God. And the Bible clearly says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. I checked out the Greek. Do you know what the word whoever means? Whoever. Anybody. Everybody. There are no exceptions. That's a real and true offer made to all people. God chooses you. Oh, man, what a great thought that is. But you have to choose God. And that's really all we need to, <laughs> to understand from our human perspective. Have you chosen God? Have you come to Jesus Christ for salvation? That's the question that everyone must answer. Let's pray. Father God, we're so thankful that you're beyond our understanding and yet you have revealed to us your love and your grace for us that salvation is made possible. And God, we believe that you pick us not because of anything in us that makes us desirable or worthwhile, but because you love. And yet, God, you've given man the responsibility to choose to come to you for salvation. So God, I pray if there's anyone here this morning who has not received Christ, that even now, in the quietness of their heart, they would choose you. Choose this day whom they will serve. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Please stand with us. Oh, 